0: Welcome to the National Community Church Podcast. We're thrilled to be able to share this weekend's message with you. You can find us on national.cc or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Good morning. Home, it's where the heart is. Isn't that the, the welcome home series, that phrase welcome home, it's such a beautiful statement, right? And and it embodies who we want to be, a place of comfort and connection. And, and any time that we travel as a family, um, Joel just, he can't wait to get back home, actually. When we come back into our home, sure enough, within moments, he says right away, Oh, I'm so glad to be home. And then for sure, when we come back to this house, he says, I'm so glad to be home. Home is a place of comfort, a place of connection. It makes us think a lot of times, of what are those things that make us feel um, the, the most at home? And a lot of us, we'd end up thinking about maybe our childhood or the things that were in place or felt like home in our childhood, and that's true for me. Um, home for me, my dad, uh, he worked closest to home and is an incredible cook, so home for me does feel like delicious home-cooked meals. He... he um, his famous, famous for his spaghetti sauce. And so I remember as I grew, and the first time that I realized that some people just open a jar of sauce and like pour it over pasta noodles and they consider that dinner, I was like, what? Because dad's pasta sauce had multiple kinds of meat and it had onions and mushrooms and tomatoes and it would simmer on the stove all day and home would smell like that that pasta sauce, right? And he was incredible at grilling any kind of meat. In fact, I don't, or or seafood, I don't even order fish now at a restaurant ever because nothing compares to dad's perfectly grilled fish dish. And our weekends were, um, you know, French toast or soft-boiled eggs. And it wasn't until I grew and was providing meals for my own families that I realized, well, I ate like a king growing up. <laughs> so home is delicious meals, and home is also Um, celebration or festivity because my mom is one of the most festive people that you will ever meet. She had our house decorated for every holiday and I've passed that sense of home. I took that with me. In fact, even even Joel early in our marriage would say, do we really, you know, DC has very little storage space. Like, do we really need like a bin for 4th of July and a bin for Easter and a bin for each thing and, and multiple, multiple bins for Christmas, of course. And yes, we do. And I passed that sense of home along to my own kids. And it was early September that my little Renzi is like, mom, like, when are we putting up the spiderweb out on the front of the house? You know, So if you drive past our house today, the spiderweb is out. We're fully in October with our pumpkins. And so home is a good uh, well-cooked meal and home is festive decoration. Those are things that feel like comfort and connection to me. And so. Hopefully right now even you're thinking about what are those things that felt like home to you where you feel comforted and connected. And that's what this series is about. It's about us just reflecting on on what type of community that we want to be. What type of house is this house? What does it mean for you to feel welcome home? And home is a place where you would feel replenished and nourished and refreshed. But you don't stay there, right? Right? Right, you just, you're in a home for, for a moment, for a season to feel that, um, that rejuvenation connection, but then it's to go back out. And that's what this house is for. This house is for a place for us to feel all of those things, but then to be sent back out, to go back out into the world. And so we've been reflecting through this series on first week, what it, what it means to be a place of prayer. And I hope that you have not been in this house for even a moment that you didn't realize how deeply we feel about being a house of prayer. Yeah. And I hope you know that during the week, these rugs, we pray over them. We, we ask the Lord to consecrate them. And we believe that, that, that things that are laid down here will be laid down permanently and chains broken here and the blessings that will be picked up here. We, of course, if you haven't attended our, our upper room on Thursday night, I tell everyone that comes, I say, come expectant. Because God is moving in that time of prayer. And our upper room prayer sets now that there is just, this will be a house of prayer. And Then we pray that your house, your house would be a house of prayer. That it's a place where you kneel next to your bed or that you cling to your child's hands and that you pray and you petition the Lord. And then the next week we talked about this house being a place of belonging. And our desire is that those that would come here would find community and connection. They would feel seen and known and loved. And that they would then in their communities and their neighborhoods and their workplaces, that they would create places of belonging. And last week, wow, that this house would be a place of miracles. I hope that you will, there, was, there were so many incredible things that happened last week in that message and then I hope you'll continue to share with us the miracles that are being worked out in your lives. But we are praying that as we lean into the Lord in prayer, that he will, we will see the power that he has to move. And so this week, we're gonna talk about what it means to be a place of purpose. And our deep desire as a church that we would walk out and live in our mission for the Lord and that we would be faithful to walk in his purposes. You know, it's dangerous a little bit to talk in um, the D.C. area about purpose because this is a place where, where purpose seekers, it's a magnet for purpose seekers, Right. We're all cause-driven or world changers or achievement seekers, and we're drawn here in a desire to just see change in our world, but sometimes we can confuse our identity a little bit with that desire to achieve, and sometimes things can get a little bit off the mark. We we step into something in the first place, intending it, feeling called to it from the Lord, and then over time, all of a sudden, we notice maybe that purpose has shifted just a little bit. So today we're just gonna ask the Lord to reorient us, to reorient our purpose. So none of this is lost on me. I mean, I've shared before that I, this is something that I really struggle with too, that I'm constantly asking the Lord to reorient my purpose. And I do, I wake up each day actually with this, maybe you relate, maybe you don't, but this sense of like urgency inside of me. And in fact, even from, you know, growing up from early days, I can remember people commenting on like, like, why are you such a fast walker? Like, I do, I just walk really fast, I guess, I don't know, and, and it probably was exacerbated because I, I grew up on the West Coast in California, and, like, people don't walk super fast there. There's a lot of kind of me- meandering, you know, like, people wear shorts to work and, like, kind of just chill, and I, I went to college in Santa Barbara, which is um, a beach town, and that was the first time that people really would comment. I would be, like, studying in my room, and then I would, like, hurry to class, and you know, people along the way would be like, dude, like, like, slow down. Like, why are you in such a hurry? So that, that does translate into all different parts of my life, actually, like... I mean, I don't, I don't read movies, I, I mean, I don't read books more than once, I don't watch movies a second time, very rarely, and when I travel somewhere on vacation, like, I just, I want to see everything that you can see, because, like, I would probably want to go somewhere else the next time, it just, there is this overwhelming feeling that there's, that life is short, and there's so much that can, that needs to be done, and, and... I wake up really early in the morning and I just feel right away like we need to to really start to move, Lord, and what are you gonna do today? And there is a a sense that that's good, that it feels like I'm wanting to steward every moment for the Lord, but it can also be dangerous, right? It can also be dangerous that, that we're not able to take a moment to see and to step into what He is doing. And it can often translate into accidentally feeling like maybe I have something to prove or something that I have to achieve for some purpose that the Lord never intended. So if we all feel it, we all feel those big questions of who am I, and why am I here, and what's my purpose, and how do I use these finite days? So how do we ask the Lord, and how do we lean in? And so let's go ahead and start at the beginning, because until we know who we are, we don't, won't have a grasp on what we are to do. So what does God say? Who does God say that I am? So in Genesis 1, we'll start at the very beginning. God's word says that we're created in his image. Genesis 1 God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So from the very beginning, we see that humanity, that we, we're stamped with the image of God. We call this the imago day. Imago means image of God. It means that we have likeness, we have similarity to God. You were created, I was created to resemble him. And like God, we were created with the capacity for creation to produce, to work, to steward. And as image bearers, we have the ability to bring God-inspired ideas and to present God-ordained solutions to the problems of our world. So we weren't just created on purpose, we were created with purpose. So we're created in God's image, we know that, We should see that in each other, recognize that in each other, call that out in each other. But where are we from? Uh, Missionary leader, Bob Hoskins, he tells this story about um, Kaiser Wilhelm of of, uh, Germany. He was quizzing school children on just, um, like, do they understand kingdom order? And so he was asking them, like, do you know what what kingdom is this from, this orange? And they said, from the vegetable kingdom. And and what about this, this piece of gold? What kingdom is this from? It's from the mineral kingdom. And then he asked him, what about you? Where are you from? And expecting the answer, I'm from the animal kingdom. But then one little girl stood up and she said, I am from the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. I love that little story because I've just, I've thought about it a number of times this week because it is, it's like, there is what the world tells us, Right. And, and that is true, but then we know inside that we're from the kingdom of heaven, and, and it's an eternal kingdom, and, it, and the reason that matters and that we have to remind ourselves of that is because we're not, we're not of this world. This is a temporary placement, and, and that's important because it, it makes sense to then why we would feel a little bit strange here. Maybe not always comfortable, maybe not always like we fit, and definitely our goals and the path that we're walking will look different than those that are around us. We are not from here. Philippians 3 says this way, we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. And 1 Peter 2, the message version, it says it this way, friends, this world is not your home so don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. We will never feel completely satisfied here all the hurrying that I can do each day, all the urgency that I can feel each day, I will never feel complete satisfaction here on this earth because I was made for more, and so are you. So we know who we are, we're God's image bearers, we know where we belong as citizens in the kingdom of heaven and that should reorient us every day. So what then is our purpose? When an author of a screenplay, you know, presents their their screenplay. They'll begin with a statement. So it's about a guy who and then however they fill in that blank is maybe kind of the make or break, right? So they have to convince you of that character's their primal urge or their their striving objective. It's not enough to write a story about, about a guy who, you know, wants a promotion at work. He has to, has to want the promotion at work so that he can win the love of his life or, you know, save his family from disaster or somehow, you know, win against his, like, mortal enemy, right? There has to be, like, a larger purpose or a striving objective, and the great founder of the Moscow Theater Company, he was really the founder of modern acting. He would teach his actors and actresses to identify their characters super objective, that thing that they wanted more than anyone, anything else in the world. And once you identify that primal urge, that super objective, all other choices made for that character would tie to that. And we see it in the stories that we love, right? In, uh, in The Wizard of Oz, Dorothy, All She Wants, to get back to Kansas. And The Little House on the Prairie, we've watched all episodes of all seasons of The Little House on the Prairie, much to our children's, uh, I don't know if they, they loved it when they were little at least. (laughs) But Pa, all Pa wants in every episode is to provide for his family and to make a better life for Walnut Grove. And Pixar, the movie Cars, right, Lightning McQueen, all he wants to do is win the Piston Cup. And what's our primal urge? What's our super objective? And we have to ask then, what is God's? Because it doesn't begin with us. It begins with God. As it says in Ephesians 1, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose that he is working in everything in everyone. The search for purpose in our life, it, it has stumped people for generations because typically they're starting at the wrong starting point. And this is often us too. We start with ourselves. And contrary to what most books today say or, or conferences or, or speakers, you won't discover life's meaning by looking inside of yourself because only the creator can reveal our true purpose. And our purpose fits into a larger, a much more cosmic purpose. Colossians 1.16 says that everything got started in him and it finds its purpose in him. So we've been given a mission and, and a mission as, as the church, as God's body. It's not just an activity of the church. It's actually our very, our very identity. And sometimes we, we miss this because... <laughs> The way that we understand or we forget to understand or lean into the full narrative of the story of God and understand where we fit in that. I love that song this morning, Pastor Chris, that you are the same God. You are the same God. He's writing one story, one narrative. And it began in creation as we started. We, we began with us being created in God's image. And his plan was that the earth would be filled with those reflecting his image. Those, the earth might be filled that we would reflect his glory. But then the fall, the fall to where we are separated from God. And then we had a need, a need for a redeemer Christ. Christ came to save. And then we are invited into that plan, right? In Matthew 28, the text we know is the Great Commission. We are told to go into the world and that by hearing others might believe, others might step into their fullness in Christ and then reflect his glory. It's all that same, that same objective. And then after uh, the resurrection of Christ in Acts, right? Acts eight, he tells his disciples that they will take this message, they will begin there in Jerusalem and they will go to Judea and Samaria and all the way to the ends of the earth. And what is their aim? It's the same aim as the beginning. It's that same purpose, that the earth would be filled with the glory of God and filled with those who bear his image. The whole earth filled with image bearers who are reflecting his glory is our super objective. So it's from the Imago day to the Missio day. Missio day it's a Latin term, a theological term. It just means the mission of God or translated the sending of God. We are sent and we are sent that his name would be known and he would be glorified in all the earth. And I keep saying that over and over because it's what I'm saying about our purpose, sometimes just getting a little bit off course our purpose, our super objective is that he would be glorified in all of the earth. His name would be known. In John 17, Jesus says, Father, as you have sent me into the world, so send those whom you've given me. So he says it to the Father, and then he says it to us. As the Father sent me, so send I you. So we're in Christ Jesus, not of this world, of a different kingdom. And the reason for our existence here is that our time our energy, our resource, our talent, everything would be used to complete that task that brought us here. And that's what the whole world would know, the saving message of Christ and his love. That's it. So we're all hurrying, we're all striving, and we're all trying to to salvage all these things or create all these things or build all these things. And we think that we're doing it because God, you put this gift in me. But then sometimes we just get a little bit off course. And what we know is that not one building not one stock certificate, not one piece of property, not one um, anything that we built will will last, right? right? God's gonna create a new heaven and a new earth. And he said there's only one thing that he is going to salvage, one thing, and that is the souls of men, the souls of people. So it would be foolish for us to spend our lives on this planet working for anything besides those things that are eternal. But it's not easy, right? I mean, I already said before that we feel often like strangers in this world. Particularly if we're walking out that mission, we feel very much, you know, out of sorts. And and, um, you know, this I saw this. I really felt this recently firsthand in just a conversation that my family was having at the dinner table a few weeks ago. The kids were actually just—they're expressing some, you know, frustrations maybe at some of the parenting decisions that Joel and I had made, and you know. <laughs> Parent, parenting is, it's really not hard. It, it, I mean, it's, it is very, very hard. And, and it's hard to get exactly right and to even know if you've gotten exactly right. Like, or, am I on the right path? Is it too much limitation or not enough? Or where do I kind of extend freedom or not? And, you know, and, and Joel and I do, we have a lot of limitations in place that we intend to protect our kids. And um, things like, you know, limits on, on technology or, or social media or, uh, you know, we'll speak up about concerns about content in the classroom or, or those things. And so the kids were just um, that particular night kind of sharing just what it felt like to, to be the oddball what it felt like to have to explain why their parents didn't allow um, certain gaming or how it felt to be the one who hadn't seen that one video on TikTok or that thing on, on social media or the, the one kid in class who hadn't read the assigned reading book or whatever. They were just expressing and I just felt this like wave of compassion <laughs> um, in the moment that, that, and I just said, you know what, I am, I am sorry. And the kids were like, actually a little kind of frustrated, like, well, like, why, why are you saying you're sorry? Like, you can't be sorry because it's your decision. Like you could change it, you know? Like, well, you make a good point. But I, as I just explained, I said, what I mean by that is I, I do, I am sorry for that situation that you're in. And, and in fact, you know, particularly I would say here in DC where there maybe is even sometimes a hostility towards people of faith, where I said, I am sorry that you're often the one in conversations having to explain or, or you know, developing in your faith, having to learn how to explain why, why our worldview is maybe just a little bit different. I did feel just an overwhelming sense of compassion. And I said, so when I say I'm sorry, that's what I mean. So, you know, I, I would extend that, that, those words out to just every young person in this, in this room as well but I am, I am I'm sorry that that's difficult sometimes. I do believe the Lord is with you. I do believe he's going to use you. I do believe that he, he is going to give you the words and he's gonna help you to stand strong um, in your faith. You're gonna be rejuvenated in who you are. And I do pray a boldness on you in Jesus' name, that you would be bold, that you would either draw others into that place of faith, amen. And you know, the, I was reminded just this last week, I was actually got some new um, research on young people. And the reality is they, they really are very much um, alone and not just here in DC. Um, a recent global youth survey, this is nationwide in DC, DC, says that only 8% of teens ages 13 to 17 express a belief in Christ and display those beliefs and habits to show that they're committed to their faith. That includes things like embracing foundational truths, such as believing that Jesus is the way and regularly engaging in scripture, reading or in prayer, 8%. And two out of every five teens in US answered none when asked what religion they are. And 45% of them said that they never think about God. So yeah, it makes sense that our young people feel isolated and alone. And my guess is that it's not just our young people because I feel that way sometimes too, maybe you do too. So our kids would roll their eyes because our response often there, what's the sentence that we often say? We are a peculiar people. That's like the explanation we give. I know, it feels strange, yes. Every time a situation comes up, but it feels so, like I feel so weird. Yes, we are a peculiar people. And the scriptures affirm this. In Deuteronomy 14 too, it says that, this is actually the King James version and I like it because it actually uses the word peculiar here. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all the nations that are on the earth. First Peter 2.9 says it as well, but you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. When we use that term peculiar, we usually mean something like, I don't know, strange or odd, but actually the translation um, of the word peculiar here means, the meaning of the Greek word translated, it means to belong exclusively to some person or the privilege of belonging. So when we're a peculiar people, it means that we belong to God and we have the privilege of belonging to him. It's a way of saying that we're God's special people and we're called to a special cause, which will often cost us. We're God's own possession, and it means that we are being transformed. Thank you, Pastor Chris, for inviting the Holy Spirit this morning, because it means that we are being transformed by that spirit. It means that our lives will look different, and we're gonna be motivated by different things. We're gonna prioritize different things. But rather than that, being a burden, like. What if we can inspire each other to, to what that could look like? And um, Author Leslie again, he actually paints a picture of what it could look like for us to live out this way of being a peculiar people. What does it look like then? And it, it looks like a few things. It looks like being a community of praise in a world with doubt and skepticism that we are one who is offering praises and thanksgiving to the Lord for his goodness, believing in, in what he has for us. He says it this way, for those who worship Christ, the language of rights is out of place, except when it serves to remind us of the rights of others. For ourselves, we confess that we cannot speak of rights, for we've been given everything and forgiven everything and promised everything so that we lack nothing except the faith to believe it. A Christian congregation is thus a body of people with gratitude to spare, a gratitude that can spill over into care of neighbor. It looks like a community of truth, right? We've just talked about how Those of us in society are subject to almost continuous bombardment of ideas and images and slogans and stories that presuppose a viewpoint so radically different from a Christ-based understanding of human nature or a Christ-based understanding of our divine destiny. So we have to stand as a community of truth that understands and knows the scriptures and that holds to them despite being told so many different things. It looks like a selfless society. A community that does not live for itself, but is deeply, deeply involved in the concerns of its neighbors. We'll talk about that again in just a minute. It's a community that lives out the gospel in our public life, right? And this means that not just inside of this church, but outside in the daily business of the world, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, that we recognize all of the different gifts that God has put in them, and we are using them faithfully, faithfully to, uh, in all the different kinds of service. It's a community that has a mutual responsibility, right? Different than that, the the individualism and and culture, it's actually God's display of, of faithfulness and responsibility towards others. It's that understanding that it's not about me, it's about you, a commitment to mutual responsibility. And finally, it's a community of hope. While most of culture is painting a picture of despair, the gospel under, offers an understanding of the human condition that makes it possible to be filled with hope, that is eager, that's patient, even in the most hopeless situations. As Pastor Heidi has told us for years, what this looks like, she calls it ministering in the opposite spirit. It means that, that when others come to us with, with anger and despair, that we can respond with joy and with hope. When the world demands that we pursue self, we can respond by laying down ourself for others. Jeremiah 17, seven through eight says, "'Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, "'whose confidence is in him. "'They will be like a tree planted by the water, "'sending out its roots by the stream. "'It does not fear when the heat comes. "'Its leaves are always green. "'It has no worries in a year of drought, "'and it never fails to bear fruit. Amen. Well, we do this so beautifully at NCC. I'm so proud of this community and and it really is a place of purpose. And we have been working since the earliest days as a church to get this mission just right. And the fruit is really, really beautiful. We seek to be a part of the flourishing of the city and the world, and we partner with social services and with the government and with businesses and with other churches in order to do that. You know, since the earliest days, Pastor Mark tells the story of that first, that first $50 check written to missions when we were barely even self-sustaining as a church. And God has been faithful that as we have given and as we have leaned in and as we have made our, not just our, our, you know, finances available, but ourselves available, our gift sets, our connections, our service available, God has been so faithful to bless. We have now more than 50 partners worldwide, and if you count those partners that are, that are here in, in the US, you know, worldwide partners, but based here, it's closer to 100 partners. The NCC Common Fund, which was birthed out of Acts two idea where the early church worked together to share and ensure that all needs were met. This church has now given, its, it's close to $1.2 million into the common fund that then is, is, comes alongside of others in their time of need, both in our city and around the world. And because of that, we're already positioned as a church. So when things happen like this week, like the Hurricane Ian, and we're watching so many people hurt, we're already positioned to come alongside of our partners there, like, like Convoy of Hope and and churches that we're connected with in, in um in Cape Coral and in Fort Myers, and we're already at work with those conversations so that we can lean in there. So that's what it means for us as a community to be that kind of peculiar people. And this house, this, people that attend here, are such, um, are live this out in their communities in such incredible ways. And, and I hope that, that as, as you get connected with people and learn their stories, I know that you're just, you're gonna be so touched in the way that I am about how much people are doing this so faithfully where they are. Um, there was a point um, that I just realized my daughter's a small group leader in kids church. At one point I was introducing her small group leaders and I was like, okay, one of them, she's actually an archeologist who just discovered a ship from the war of 1812. And then one of them is a NASA engineer who's like, you know, goes on mission to, is deployed into Antarctica and um, to Antarctic to to measure glaciers and like their movement. I'm like, we have really incredibly gifted people who are living out their mission unto the Lord. Um, Even right now, many of you know Pastor Jenna Lee, who's our children's pastor for years and years, and Bethany and Katie, who led in this ministry for years, they've launched a, a business, a jewelry business, and that And the jewelry is made by those who who are experiencing trafficking. And right now, they just landed in Thailand so that they can be there actually connecting with those women that are making this incredible jewelry. I mean, people taking these God-birthed ideas and using them in community. We have um, surgeons like Dr. Hampton or um, Dr. Thomas Matthews, who just are this incredible craft that they have just poured so much of their lives into perfecting that is bringing healing in people's lives, and we have developers and realtors and counselors and teachers and, and so many incredible people. So I, I just have to say thank you for living so faithfully your faith and your walk. I just have to say thank you for, for offering to the Lord as a sacrifice. And I'm guessing that it's costing you. I'm guessing that there's times that you have a hard time falling asleep at night or you're worried, Lord, like, am I, am I on the right track or am I doing it in the right way? And so I just want to say that that as a community, I'm so grateful to serve in this family with you and to see the way that you live out your faith so intentionally. This house is on mission. This is a place of purpose. And we want you to come here to be to be refreshed and rejuvenated and encouraged and connected and then to be sent back out to where you are. We hope that this place is also a place of accountability. That when some of those things get mixed up or off mark, that we have voices in each other's lives that will speak into that or say, hey, let's rethink this or be a sounding board as you're making important decisions. So if you're new here and you have not gotten connected in some way in community like that, it's actually really important. It's not just a prompt we put on the slide, but when we say that we want everyone to find your people and to find your place and to find your purpose, we're actually really serious about that. And so that is why we offer these, like today we're gonna have a a, a connection upstairs on the loft and and these moments where we're saying, no, if you haven't found your people or you need to get connected in some way or there's any other resource that you need or if you're not serving here in this house, right? We all, as a part of the body, have a responsibility to serve here as a part of, of what God's doing in the lives of others and in the lives of our community, then would you just make sure to take that step today so that we can all be walking in that way together? So there's so much purpose, conviction, drive in this house, but one thing that we have to be careful of is not confusing that mission that we talked about, that we would, um, we would reflect Christ, we would draw other image bearers to know him and to walk in his way. We wouldn't confuse that purpose or mission with, with a cause. And that can be really confusing in D.C. because there's, there's really a lot of causes. The causes are, are really plentiful. And sometimes pursuing cause for their own sake can sometimes force us to get a little bit off task because it, it does it. It feels good to do well. So our commitment actually becomes maybe more about ourselves than about the Lord. The reality is sometimes when we're walking and what the Lord has for us, um, sometimes it, it, it costs us. Sometimes it actually hurts a little bit. It can be a little easy to all of a sudden we start on the right path, but then all of a sudden we find ourselves asking the question, well, like, what, like, what about that promotion, Lord? Or, or like, I've been so faithfully in this way, why am I not being like recognized for this work? Or even sometimes we might get, we, we start serving the Lord in a way and then we might realize we have some feelings of anger, maybe even at other believers, like why aren't they realizing the importance of this? Why aren't they coming alongside of this? And so I think, I just wanna challenge you To ask the Lord, Lord, am I still on the right course? Am I still answering to you about these plans and driving towards your purposes rather than my own? Are we still driven by that mission that his name would be known and that he would be glorified in all the earth? Um, Rick Warren's famous book, Purpose Driven Life, um, he starts it with one sentence. It's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. Pursuing God's mission, it might cost us something, but it will be exactly what you were created for. It will be a sacrifice of love. So if you've wrestled at all with purpose in your life, you feel yourself hurrying like I do, or this frenzied pressure, it might be because that you're running after something that you were not created for. So we're just going to ask the Lord that he would make today a course correct. That's been my prayer the last couple of days. Lord, would you just make today a course correct? And for some in this room who maybe, maybe you have not ever made a personal decision uh, to step into that divine purpose, Maybe you've never considered before or, or at least boldly said, okay, Lord, I do surrender. I do accept that I was created in, in your image and I was a part of this grand story, this narrative that you're writing, and I want to walk in that way, then I, I would hope you don't leave here today without stepping into that in some sort of bold way, telling someone around you. Or if you have made that decision and, and you've never been baptized, um, I, I hope that you would. You know, baptism is a way that we actually make a, a public declaration of our desire to walk in that particular purpose in the Lord's mission. And we, are, we are gonna have a baptism a number of, of weeks and I just, I would ask that we, you would let us celebrate that with you. Would you let us celebrate that with you? And for those of you that are asking the Lord today for a course correction, would you tell someone about that today? Would you share that so that it does become kind of, you know, um, boldly, something that put, puts into action, just say, hey, you know, I don't know, I, I've, I've been either wrestling about this decision and now I think I have clarity, or you know, I think I started off on the right path and honoring the Lord in this and I might've gotten a little bit off course. So would you help me? Or would you hold me accountable? Or would you help me process and how I can reorient? So in a few minutes, we're gonna celebrate communion together. And communion is, it's a, rem- it's a remembrance of our redemption in Christ it's an honoring of that beautiful story that he's writing and it's a submission to commit our lives to it. It's a, I just ask that you consider in that moment that it's a time that you come pure hearted before the Lord thanking him for what he's done and for the opportunity to be invited into that story. Let me close this in prayer. God, thank you for um, this beautiful house. God, thank you for the feeling of home. Lord, that those that come into this place would just feel your presence. Oh God, that's our deep prayer, Lord, that your spirit would be so filled in this house that those that step in could just not ignore it. They sense it right away. And God, I pray right now that that um, touch of the spirit would go on each person in this room and online, listening, God. Would your spirit so overwhelm in our lives that it just leaks out, God? That all those that we come in contact with in our business, in our place of work, in our school settings, God, that all those that we come in contact with could just not ignore the overwhelming feeling of bumping into your spirit, God. And God, today I do, I ask for a course correction. I ask for it in my own life, God. I ask that you would just draw my mind and my heart back to you. God, the things that started off in the right direction, anything, God, would you expose my own motive? And for each of us in this room, God, would you just expose our motives? Would you make us pure hearted, Lord? God, it is such a grand calling to walk in your divine purpose, Lord, so we just receive it. We receive the commissioning, Father. We just ask that you cleanse us and you purify us and you give us the gift of your presence on the journey. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus, amen.